bandwidth for the Weird Things podcast provided by Wired Tree. For sites of any size and world-class customer service, head on over to wiredtree.com. Hello and welcome to the Weird Things Podcast. I'm Adrian Main, joined by Brian Brushwood. 50% iron oxide, rebar all the way. Mr. Justin Robert Young. Hey, friends. And Bryce Castillo. They call me Table Salt. <laughs> <laughs> because you're white and ubiquitous? No, because uh, <laughs> when it comes to chloride, he's like, nah. When it comes to, clo- when it comes to chloride, I'm like, sodium me up. Because doctors can't agree if you're healthy. That's right. <laughs> Hello, everybody. <laughs> or how much we should deal with you in a day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, we talked a little bit last week in a couple other episodes about some of this UFO footage we're seeing coming from the military. Yeah. And one of the points we've made before is that when digital cameras were new, we saw a lot of weird images, streaks, and all this other stuff. And, uh, my girlfriend brought up a story the other day about how, uh, some photo of some orb that was, you know, she was somebody, dude was on the Tim, on the Joe Rogan show talking about this. I'm like, yeah, I know how to do that. And I grabbed a camera and created the same exact photo because I'm like, you know, I used to have to play with these cameras and figure out how you can create these effects. Then it was just putting dust, you know, in the, the right, just dropping it. So anyhow, the problem is we're looking at footage that's through infrared, through all sorts of other imaging systems that are very complex systems. And that doesn't mean that there aren't UFOs. Doesn't mean there aren't UFOs out there. But when you see some, I've seen some very smart people jump to conclusions because they assume the images of something that it's imaging. And not something process. I've seen stuff on like looks exactly like a water drop on the you know on the lens. I've seen other stuff. I'm like this, and not to say that that is what it is, but much more easily explainable things. And sometimes we take the explanations other people give us as like, oh no, this person told me this. Like ah, when I talk to experts sometimes on things, I find out that maybe they're a little bit outside their domain, and we give them too much weight. Uh, so Tim Harrod sent us a great uh, a great link to a YouTube video, which I'd seen this explanation, I think, put up to on Reddit, which was great, which was showing that this triangular-shaped UFO, if you've seen this footage of this thing, oh, it looks spooky, the thing moves around. But when you watch, you know, if you really notice, you see there's like a couple more ghost images in there. Yeah, right. And if you look at the YouTube video explanation, it's a it shows like this looks like a bokeh effect. Like there's a bright source that might just be right outside the range there. And if you look at the iris on this night vision system, it's got a triangular oh. iris. And so anything yeah. that's out of focus and, and, looks and, and, triangular. By the way, uh, one of the most precious moments in my life was during the recent uh, solar eclipse. Uh, that, that, that happened um, after the eclipse ended, uh, when you think of the dappling that you see through uh, various uh, trees, uh, you normally think of those as circles, uh, which they normally are mm-hmm. because that's the shape of the sun that uh, uh, through pinhole cameras is is shown down on the ground. But during a partial eclipse, it's all little moonlets. Uh, it, it's crescent uh, uh, crescent moons everywhere. Right. So so that, that would make perfect sense that, that that's what that would be. Yeah, and, and again, the problem is that you get and I, I talked to my buddy, uh, Paul Hynek, the other day. He is, his father's J. Allen Hynek, the guy who did Project Blue Book, where they would try to go through and try to account for a lot of stuff. And sometimes we talk about where we may not know. We may not know what a thing is. 
But other times, the problem is, is people are very quick to rule out very simple optical effects because people forget like what happens from the lens to the image sensor. A lot of things, there can be a lot of other effects. You can have lights out of range. There are other stuff in there. So anytime it's just, oh, here's this weird image, it's one thing. And sometimes you hear stories of like, well, other people corroborated it, which might be the case, but we've seen in other events, things that we clearly knew were like Venus and other people reporting it weird that, oh, it was a UFO. And then like, no, nope, this is exactly where it was, et cetera. So it's very disappointing to a lot of people to hear this. And also you have some very public, very smart people who are afraid of looking stupid and will just sort of say, yeah. No, it doesn't account for that. There's more to more. I'm like, fine, but case by case, we got to look at it. Well, and and there really is a danger of, I'm going to say, knowing too much, quote unquote. Like, I, I think that, that there are oftentimes people for whom are very expert at systems, are very expert at, you know, a certain field that uh, naturally, and I don't think this is a bad thing or it makes anybody... Uh, uh, you know, stupid or anything, but you have to, for your expertise to shine through, believe you kind of know every step of things. And that can at times tend to make us the most blind to a little thing, a little thing that well, comes along. And, 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 I, and I think we get to those places as human beings in insidious half-step ways where, um, Let's say you originally go on to look at some weird footage and you propose some things. And one of the things of the five things you suggest turns out to be exactly right. Yeah. The newspaper headlines the following day say, Justin Robert Young totally called it. And now you're the guy who totally called it. And then you're brought on again. And it's like, maybe you're a little more careful. You do a little more research. But let's say again, it's like Justin Robert Young called it again. At some point, you perceive yourself as the guy who calls it. And then you become a little more brittle about wanting to make sure that you're right on these things instead of the guy who shrugs his shoulders and says, yeah, I literally don't know, but, yeah. but, but I see no reason to, you know, jump immediately to the idea that these are inner, interdimensional beings from, from, you know, from, uh, 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 from and, the and, Python universe. And being publicly wrong sucks. Yep. Like being publicly wrong is, is very annoying and embarrassing. Yeah, um, and, and people are saying, uh, a.k.a. Nate Silver, I think Nate, if you listen to his podcast, he's very quick to 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 shed that mantle. He, he is uncomfortable uh, at, at, at being the guru that everybody goes to. Um, uh, well, OK, sorry. On the podcast, he plays somebody who is very I mean, he has, uncomfortable. He's yeah, I, I, I. I think he's a more nuanced person than the caricature. I think when, when, when people often say Nate Silver, they sort of are speaking of him as the mascot for all aggregate polling. Right. Uh, and, and I do think that on, on some level, the monkey paw curse for him was that Obama election where he got all 50 states right. Right. Because uh, that was something that I think, uh, uh, A, put him on the map, uh, but also you know, has put a very unfair burden uh, because again, he doesn't do the polls. He just, you know, manipulates them. So they all come out, uh, uh, you know, his, his uh, sausage strainer, but, but yeah, I mean, I, 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 at the end of the day, if you are, if you have expectations on you or you are somebody that should know a thing, if you don't and, or you get caught being on the wrong side of it, 
man, it's 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 frustrating, and you mix in professional pride well, and, and reputation, and nobody remembers the spectrum that you offer. Like for example, let's say let's say this is our, you know, the the three of us, uh, our our twelfth time on the local news, looking at one of these, and every single time. We've said, well, it could be anything from spiders to snakes. Could be anything from spiders to snakes. And it's like, eventually they're like, yeah, but what's your bet? And we're like, yeah, it's probably snakes. And then, and yeah. then, and then we, we hit snakes five in a row. And then, and then again, we say the same thing. It could be anything from spiders to snakes. And it's like, but this time it was spiders. And then all of a sudden we look like chumps. And, and I, I think that's what everybody fears is, is putting themselves out there and then being wrong and it's like well the reason for snakes is you know those are tenderly tendrils yeah it's and some people it's very exciting to think about because i've seen one person online who you know very well respected scientist who's excited about this being new physics new stuff and why aren't we looking at this and i think from the time you see this on the internet to where it came from there's a lot of other explanations that come into play and and I and I wish there were terminology where it was easier to express, like from a position of authority, I wish more people were comfortable saying, it is so much fun to imagine or to consider the possibility that this could be blank, 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 and blank. But but that gets lost in the repeat. And and I think um uh oh, what's his what's his name? Uh, Science of the Impossible, and uh, uh we see him in a bunch of other stuff. He loves to play in the, 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 what if Dr. Who physics was real, uh, space, Ryan but, Cox? uh, no, um, um, uh, I'm forgetting his name. Um, Doug science, Doug science. Yes. Uh, but, but the, uh, 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 he seems to have a more fun time. He was the first place where I heard about type one, type two, type three civilizations. And this is a construct, just basically a theoretical thought experiment. But but as his star rises, it becomes, you know, believed by more and more people as 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 fact. Yeah, I mean, that's the the, the problem is that we, you know, my, my warning is always like, uh, beware the scientist that's really good at explaining things because they've spent a lot of time explaining things to the public and maybe not as much researching them. Not to say that there aren't great explainers or great scientists there are, but you know, sometimes I think, it's I think, like, yeah, the only, the only addendum I would add to that is, uh, beware the strident scientist who's really good at explaining things. Yeah. Like, I, I think that's, yes. that's, that's where, that's where you get into, into trouble because I think that there's a lot of, uh, there's, there's, there's a lot of, worth in in just being able to lay out how we understand things today it gets really dicey when that person also is like and that's why this is stupid and that's bad and it's like oh okay that's, it's it's that's a, a little strident. by the way to to clean up my mess it's it's physics of the impossible and it's michio kaku's that i was thinking of uh, okay. uh he, he had like uh, a one one of his thought experiments was okay, let's take telepathy or telekinesis. Like, obviously that's not a real thing, but we can conceive of there is science-based ways to read brain waves and move a cursor 
around. And we also know that in a room, you can have a bunch of animatronics that move things around. So you could combine the two and end up with the effect of somebody who puts his hands to his temples and then just, you know, think of, 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 you know, various objects and have them seem to float around the room. Yeah. Uh, like that's fun. That's that's a really fun thing to do, but then it gets reduced into, yeah, this guy says anything goes. Yeah. Yeah, and I, somebody made a comment like we don't allow the time to investigate these things, and we have to rely upon experts. Of course, but the difference is, is you just. I'm going to bring up. See, uh, Nate Silver's one of his most recent tweets was about the lab leak. Nate Silver is now sixty percent thinking that it was a lab leak, forty percent thinking natural orig origins. Oh, and, and, and we're we, we're talking about coronavirus. Uh, where are you at on that? On that. Uh, same place I've been for the last year. Overwhelmingly lab leak. Yeah. Yeah, and and that's right. something that's become more. Uh, you know, Wall Street Journal just had uh, a, another article about it. Uh, Doctor Fauci over the weekend said that he does not think that it should be ruled out. Which is and a, and to to be clear, this is not an intentional lab leak, but so much as a mishandling of of when we when we say lab leak, lab leak means that it got out of the lab. So right. so beyond that, uh, uh, motivations I think are are something that even that that's one layer below right. the idea that this was a natural mutation that happened in in the wild or at a food market. Uh, this is the idea that either by malice or incompetence, this came out of a lab. This was this was a a virus in a lab that got out. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think it was accidental. I mean, I I because I I would. My argument was like for zoonotic, the idea that it was natural, there should be things we should have found by, I would think that we would have found by now we haven't. If it was an intention, and I get my, you know, my, my friends who are very, very conspiracy minded, like, oh yeah, well, who had to benefit by this? I'm like, well, if you are going to leak this as an intentionally, they did it in the, the stupidest way possible. Yes. Like you wouldn't have it all traced back to, you would go to Vietnam or someplace else and start this. So like, it's just, not to say that people are incapable of doing incompetent conspiracies. It's just if you're like, oh, they, that's how clever they are. Well, they weren't clever here. I'm like, no, like, I think it was you know, incompetence. And we've done it, too. And, well, but we've, we've talked about this where there's a history of this. And, and we, we, we've touched on this in the past, but I do think it bears repeating. Uh, the, the, the idea, as I read it, um, uh, I've, I've talked about that three and a half hour special uh, that Sam Harris did, uh, where they talk about, like, there is value to know can a certain disease ever go airborne? And the way you do it mm -hmm. is you keep giving that disease back and forth to whatever creature can have that disease. Mm -hmm. And at some point, it eventually develops the, avail the, the ability to go airborne. And then you keep on wanting to like, well, can a human catch it? So you keep on giving the disease back and forth and eventually it develops the ability to go airborne. Th there is a logical reason and a, and a uh, pro-human reason to do that every step of the way it just unfortunately ends with a weaponized uh, uh, version of it that 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 through carelessness can escape from the lab. Yeah, and that's yeah, and and that's the example you gave too of how moving it back and forth would create something that would not have the conventional markers of being a modified virus. And that was the the thing that drove me nuts because the thing that made me super suspicious early on was when the question of a lab leak, the strident scientist like. No, it would show signs. It's like, no, that's a different way that you could show it wouldn't show signs. Like that, that, yeah. that they are so quick to judge that. I'm like, they're not even considering the hypothesis because something about it's so offensive to them. And that mindset is scary to me. 
Um, and so a lot of things. And, and like, yeah, like we can get into a debate of what qualifies as gain of function or whatever, but it's not going to go anywhere um, because scientists can't agree on what gain of function is in the, under thread here in the our chat about what is, what is it. And I, I, I think directionally, we're all correct. Like the virus developed new abilities. I, yeah, here's, here's all, all, all I'll say about this is uh, uh, in, in many ways, I'm happy with where we're at now. Like all I really wanted with the lab leak thing is for us to to take it seriously and and to look into it mostly because I think that there are people that have the need to answer questions that have not answered questions yet. And what I would like to do is just keep popular opinion on the side of, hey, some people should answer some questions. Uh, but beyond that, it's like, yeah, it 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 seems to me like it like it's a thing. and and I think that, we're we are in an age now where where I hope the pendulum starts to swing is in the position of willfully saying, I don't know. Here are my thoughts. I got thoughts. Mm -hmm. Um, here's why I think the way that I think, but I don't know. Like I I, I think the, the 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 best thing that we can do is is to say that. And the 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 assumption of I don't know to me is as central to the concept of science as knowing anything is. In fact, it might be more a part of science than, than knowing anything, uh, quote unquote, is that the concept of uh, this can all be shaken up tomorrow if, if I get the right evidence. And we, we're getting speculation. We could see it in our chat like, well, you know who benefited, mm, implying that maybe somebody is involved. Like, listen, the weather channels in Atlanta. Atlanta's on the East Coast. Atlanta sometimes gets hit by hurricanes. You know who benefits every time there's a big hurricane? The weather channel. <laughs> I mean, it's like you got to be careful of like, yeah, because somebody benefit, like because certain businesses benefit from it, whatever, doesn't mean that there is this gray. And like I said, if it was going to be intentionally leaked and these people who you think are involved are as smart as we believe them to be this would be the dumbest way in the world to do it. You know who you benefits know, like, from the X Games? Some might say it's ESPN. <laughs> I say it's the EMS because <laughs> they're there for every yeah. broken bone. I had a, I had a friend who, very conspiracy-minded, and you know he, he goes to the Bill Gates stuff and all this, and I'm like, I said something kind of mean. I'm like, oh, so what you're saying is that, like, how good of is a conspiracy if you can unravel this? <laughs> i mean i i think look there is a tremendous benefit to our modern internet age where so much is trackable and so much information is available in many ways it is the absolute dream of journalists and scientists alike mm -hmm. i think that it has given rise to a lot of truly excellent citizen journalists and citizen scientists who can just dip in on one little thing and they can do good work and they can illuminate the conversation but good god does it does it also just uh, uh bring up a yeah. lot of folks who are like i don't know this kind of looks like one and i'm pretty sure this is two so i'm positive that together they're three may i point out that i have both a webcam and a youtube account anyway i must be right yeah. well and even then it's like I look, if you're making content I almost give you more of a more of a, a line where it's like, all right, well then you're trying to do two videos a week because that's your cadence. So if you're gonna do some dumb stuff, I don't think it's good. I don't think it's smart. I don't think it makes anybody better. But at least I can understand the reason. Like, 
uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm actually reading a, yeah. a, a book right now about conspiracies, but it is it is fascinating. Uh, uh, just and, what a natural phenomenon it is. Yeah, my my speculation is. I think it was a lab leak. I think early on the Chinese government, I think one, the way it works from the regional area to whatever, there was like, there was, oh, we got a problem. And then it bubbled up. And then I think there was, I, there may have been decisions to make strategic use of this. There may have been stuff like, you know, the CCP, you know, don't let a good crisis go to waste is kind of a philosophy everybody uses. So would that wouldn't surprise me at all because the amount of information we got out of there that was conflicting and contradictory the stuff the WHO was saying, like, kind of like, I was like, like, would it surprise me if all of a sudden this thing was running rampant from Wuhan and China's like, do we want to be the only dealing with this? I, I had read some stuff that, because uh, I know, uh, uh, maybe, if not last week, at least the past couple of weeks, there was a lot of hubbub of like, of uh, just re- release the patent, release the patent on the vaccine and that will help mm-hmm. third world countries. And my understanding, or at least to hear Bill Bill Gates's argument against it, was every factory that can make a vaccine is working on making a vaccine right now. And I guess the new vaccine or the vaccines that are out now for COVID use it was it the, the mRNA. Then they they use a new technology for delivering so, the vaccine. So, some some of them have a new technology. Some of them use old technology. But the one thing that's and, universal is. They were told before they even started trying, everybody start trying, we're going to buy your vaccines whether they work or not. So all of a sudden there was no need, like now all of a sudden it was a prestige battle and everybody just wanted to make the one that would be most famous for being most effective. Well, well it, 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 and to, to get to the conspiracy side, my, my the at least what I have read through this whole open up the patent thing is that it would open. It would unlock. I guess whatever this mRNA technology would be to all of the other pharmaceutical companies that haven't either n- nailed it or don't have that technology yet. And this would be some sort of corporate espionage to actually open up the patent because it wouldn't necessarily make any vaccines get made faster. But hey, all this technology just becomes uh, the because, public because domain the idea, to the, everybody. The idea that mRNA is not simply just a COVID thing, but but it could be a new way that you could attack all sorts of diseases. It's a right. new paradigm I mean, to attack. Yeah. To, to attack. I mean, it's my understanding that yeah. there it could be completely. Uh, but but I, I it certainly I, I could see from point A to point Z on that. There are a couple couple thoughts there. One is that. It, it, it not worded right, potentially, but I mean, the, the patent is narrowly for the use of mRNA for, you know, COVID-19. I don't think that would allow people to use it for other things, particularly if it's a license or an open license to use it for this application. The point that Gates had made about, like, remember the Johnson & Johnson we had to throw out? Like, that is, there are limited, there's limited constraints and supplies. It's one of the biggest problems. It's not like you just, guys, new, 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 new mission for scam stuff. Right. We're making vaccines now. Bryce, <laughs> go get the 50-gallon drum. I mean, these things let me, are let me really, get a pen. <laughs> yeah, these things are really hard, and these things are very hard. And, and you might have other places say, oh, we'll make it too. And it's like, yeah, might, but we've seen how even in high-tech, most sophisticated you know, facilities, how complicated it can be. So, And I, I do believe that every place that is making vaccine can be making vaccine because if you have another place that can make vaccine, if you're Pfizer or Moderna, then you're going to make a contract with them to produce vaccine. Um, we've had problems in other countries where doses, like if you look like Sinovac, some of the other ones were, that were made, like the Russian one, 
weren't that good. And there's a lot of variability in some of these places we've been looking in the actual quality of the vaccine. And that's a danger thing is that, you know, normally when you go off patent, there's still ways to test and do this. And that's a scary sort of thing, because if somebody starts labeling like just as good as Moderna and starts selling, you know, hundreds of millions of copies, you know, to Kenya and it finds out it doesn't work. And then that's a problem. The, yeah. the, the, the briefest of hat tips to the fact that uh, here in America, it seems like our new problem is not a lack of availability of vaccines. It's a lack of willingness to take them, which uh, is not something I would, thought I would see in my lifetime. Well, I mean, let's, yeah. let's also let's also qualify that like it, there are some places where it's going faster than others. But by and large, even where it's going slow meaningful elements of, of, of the population are getting it. And that will probably be accelerated as we start to see more and more the uh, under 16 uh, a demographic that mm. are, are, are getting them over the last few weeks, since that's only been a thing that's just recently happened. Well, so and, and, like, and then on top of we, that, we, we are doing good. Like I, I, I feel like, uh. yes, we should address vaccine hesitancy. Yes, we should talk about it, but it does, it does frustrate me when we kind of get into a doom and gloom hysterical of like mm. like we're like oh we're we're terrible look there is an element that is never going to take it but there's a lot and we're actually seeing by the polls uh, uh that there is a breakdown of some vaccine hesitancy including and i can't believe it's taken us this long to get to it a brilliant idea that uh, was first hatched on twitter by our own co-host andrew main which was, I believe, if we could even find the tweet that predates all of this, uh, that there should be a bunch of billionaires that get together so there could be a national lottery for vaccinated people only. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, there so, are a couple of states that are doing these. And indeed, weeks afterward, I'm not saying that Mike DeWine of Ohio, the governor, got it from Andrew Maine. I'm just saying May, that- May 2nd, Andrew Main tweeted alternate vaccination pitch, a billion dollar lottery, just submit your vaccination card to enter. And that's very similar to what New York is doing with their $5 million. No, and that, and that one, I actually don't even like their one. That, their, one their one's bad. Michael oh, yeah. Wine actually has it going on in Ohio. Uh, they're doing, as of this Wednesday, uh, they are going to have a $1 million lottery if you are vaccinated and have submitted in, so it's not even just automatically, it's a lower, a lower pool than the people who have been vaccinated in Ohio, but you have to be vaccinated to do it. Uh, and for the next five Wednesdays, they're going to give away a million dollars. <laughs> that uh, sounds outrageous cool. until you think about the average cost of somebody who is experiencing COVID-19 through end of life treatment. And then all of a sudden you realize like uh, you're getting off cheap. Well, and you think of like a five million dollar marketing campaign, and that's and that's so in Ohio, that's buying in Cincinnati, that's buying in Cleveland, that's buying in Columbus. So it's three major media markets that you already have to buy in. Like that five million dollars goes away pretty fast, right. and, and and it does so a lot quieter than having like it's going to be a big deal on Wednesday when they reveal a winner, and then it's going to be a big deal for the next four weeks. And here's the the the, the big kicker: it's working. 58% week over week differences uh, difference in vaccinations in Ohio because they did the, or after the announcement of the lottery. Do, do you think there's any 
opportunity for pushback, like because there's a monetary reason to get vaccinated, of that people course. are hiding behind, like, well, that's what they want you to. That's I mean, why of I'll course, never. of course. And it's the same for the people, the Krispy Kreme giving free donuts. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Oh, I need to get mine. Are they still doing that? Oh, yeah. Every day. Every day. You get a every free donut. Day. Every single day. Just show up with that card. You get a free donut. <laughs> Somebody got very happy. Oh, shit. Bryce shoot. just got a raise. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, uh, just, so is is um, uh, we try not to get too political here, but we we touched on it briefly during lunch. Um, I guess I guess last week word came out that that despite I'm using air quotes liberally here, everybody who's listening by audio liberally uh, uh, that uh, that 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 despite the quote unquote irresponsible complete opening of Texas to everything, it looks like like. Nothing but but business as usual, and no more people are dying, and and it seems to have been a good idea. Have you guys read this? I've uh, not heard the everything's all swell. No, <laughs> uh, look, look it up. Der- Derek Thompson of the Atlantic wrote a thing uh, uh, about basically the the uh, the, the, the doomsayers uh, to Governor Abbott lifting the mask mandate and uh, saying uh, we're a hundred percent business as usual. Yeah, that that has not. Uh, uh, happen and now as we are watching mask mandates and and restrictions being lifted in in uh, blue states that have been tighter in their restrictions up till now, uh, you know that is something that uh, uh, that should be studied that should be understood and there's a lot of uh, reasons why that that he details I think very well. Derek Thompson has actually been a really good writer on on COVID stuff. Uh, if if you if you enjoy this tenor of conversation, I think he's been pretty good about it. Uh, for the record, I would I like, not I, have I, placed a bet on this. Like like yeah. if a year if, if if two weeks ago I was told this was coming, I would not have participated at all. I mean, but, I think it. I, I don't think it's. It would be strange to say that America's vaccine rollout has been shockingly fast. Yes. Like and and sometimes to the detriment of All other right, countries. But- My second point about patents is this: if we decide to break patents, the problem is, let's say next year or we get you know year do we get we get COVID twenty three, and if you are a pharmaceutical company and you lost money or barely made even, and you look at what AstraZeneca went through, you know with their like the Europe and yes no whatever happens if you go through this process where all of a sudden you don't make as much money as you could have, you face other problems. How eager are you if there's a, God forbid, another pandemic to say, let's put every effort into this? What happened last time? Oh, well, they took our patent. And people right now go, we got to get the patent. We got to do this because it's, you know, it's the moral thing to do. Maybe, maybe. But if you create, we've had this problem before where we were doing, we had really advances in biotech research and like there was the gene patenting, which scared people. And then we made that, we banned that. We banned the ability to like patent genes back in 2000 and then you crushed all these biotech companies you crushed you know billions of dollars investment in biotech and now we're at a point where those patents would have expired anyways and maybe we would have had more cures and stuff so that's the trade off you've got to think of any time you say get rid of a patent or or you know open up a patent you got to have compensation as part of that. You got to make sure that the net on those people want to do it. Yeah, okay, the, uh, because uh, from a pure game theory point of view, what it does is it shifts. Uh, the best player of the game is not the one who actually bothers to invest billions of dollars to find out how to cure a thing. It's the one who just sits and watches until somebody else does it, and then just makes the move right after them, so that. They hope that that they're going to get away with not having to pay any kind of patent licensing fees or what have you. 
There's a great chart, and to uh, Bryce, your point about as far as like you know the vaccination rates and where things are going. Like, yeah, we don't, we don't, we don't want to start high fiving ourselves all of a sudden and find out that there's some new crazy variation variant that you know the the vaccines don't work with, and that's part of the reason why health officials are trying to be cautious is because there is that unknown, and the and the the cynics are like ah like, and I I think like I I. I bought masks in January, but I also thought that we were stupid about telling people to not to wear masks outdoors. You know, like yeah. I have the vaccine, but I'm skeptical of the experts. You can have you can have complex opinions on all these things. If you switch it to Bryce, go to fully dosed. So you've got Israel, which cursing. is a population of like seven million. Bahrain, small Chile's got like 19 million. United States is 340 million people. We have the fourth highest rate of fully vaccinated people in the world. Look at the other Western countries. Yeah, we're dusting them. We race for pink, and it's sad. Yeah, and I mean, and it's tragically too. That's the yeah. thing is that is that we, not to say that hey, we we're you know we won the game and we should be high fiving ourselves for beating COVID, which I don't think that's the case. But when we criticize ourselves, we also got to compliment ourselves and say, hey, we somehow managed to do a way better job than everybody else. And well, and and uh, uh. To- to to hear my Canadian friends' accounts on it, the that is uh, in in at least not, uh, I don't know that is in part to the mm, ruthlessness of the United States in securing shots. I I suppose. Well, uh, that's their explanation for it. But there was a little thing called Project Warp Speed. There was this effort. We were the first ones to start buying large amounts of of yeah. Our ruthlessness of saying we'll pay for vaccines before anybody even thought we could have a vaccine. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and that that's you, the, we. Nobody wants to give credit where credit's due, but we early on said, hey, let's put a ton of money into a vaccine. Let's try to get this done sooner. And everybody, you know, remember a year ago that the idea we was laughed at that we would have people, we'd be at this point by now. That was ridiculed. The experts ridiculed that that was even possible. But as we've seen World War II, other eras, when the industrial machine of the United States takes a focus on something, yeah. stuff happens. And so, uh, you know. And, and, you know, if, if anything, I do think that there have vaccine diplomacy is something that is a very tricky subject right now, uh, including to Canada, um, because the administration, I think, rightly has a very uh, complicated problem on their hands where they would like to be giving vaccines in our stockpile away, specifically for some of the shots that aren't even approved here, like AstraZeneca. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh but you also never want to be in a situation where any American who wants a vaccine doesn't isn't able to get one at this point, right? Like you, 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 you need to take care of the home front first. So, uh, uh, it, it's it's it, it, a complicated situation. I think if there is a a ding, you could say to America is that we also then did a second wave that the Biden administration also secured more vaccines on top of what we had already purchased. I think that you could make an argument to say, uh, um, maybe the AstraZeneca shot should have been approved here earlier and, and we wouldn't be relying on just Pfizer and Moderna as heavily as we are. Uh, my, my opinions on the Johnson and Johnson shot are kind of well known. I think that the pause was disastrous and stupid, but, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot going on. And at the end what? of the day, uh, the, the the bureaucracy aside, the fact that we have these raw numbers here is, I think, a, a, a miracle. It is it is an awesome sign, and we should be we should be happy mm-hmm. that we that we got to this point, and we should and hope can, to go further. 
And, and on the diplomacy side, too, like, I mean, I certainly think that bringing everybody together was problematic and challenging. But like Canada side, Canada did not want to order its vaccines in the U.S. It decided to order from Europe because they were afraid because of our America first vaccine policy, they wouldn't be able to get them from us. So they said, no, we'll go to these European manufacturers and we're going to buy doses from them. Well, European manufacturers have had issues and have been slow to be able to produce these things. And partially because there wasn't, I think, that initial investment and push like we had here. You know, we were able to, we, we limited a risk for a lot of companies here to be able to develop vaccine. Europe was hesitant to do that. Yeah. And I think that's part of the problem. It's like, we need this now. Okay, we help us out. No, you got to give this to us. And it's like, well, okay. So it's complicated. And, and, and I'm not here like, oh, this person's right or wrong. But I do think that if you want a thing, uh, make it better early on. This is my 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 thing, and this was about our initial rollout here. This is about international uh, uh, supply chains. Run the scenario where the life-saving shot to the pandemic is doled out across the world a billion times, and a billion times someone's going to be really, really, really mad and probably have a reason to be. Like, there's no way that this goes out in any kind of order where everybody is perfectly fine with their position in line to get the life-saving vaccine shot. Yeah. Now, where everybody is happy is at patreon.com slash weird things. Patreon.com slash Hold on, this is the first I'm hearing about this. Yeah. Hey, Patreon, what, uh, explain to me. Patreon, Brian, it's mm. a website wherein mm. you can support creators who are going out of their way to make... Yeah, but, but 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 the way you support them is yeah. by using their coupon codes to buy other like mattresses no, and whatnot. No, 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 no mattresses, what? Brian. We we don't sleep. None of us. No. None of us sleep. No, I believe that. Uh, but uh, uh, you can pay us. We do. We do. The only way we sleep is not on mattresses, but on piles of money that you give us at patreon.com slash weird thing. I mean, because I've had this thought, like what I really wish is I could just pledge a certain amount per episode and yep. that you guys could make money while you sleep and that mm -hmm. we can keep weird things on the air. Indeed. And you can do that at one place in one place only patreon.com slash weird things. Patrons get early access to our after things podcast where we break down what it's like to be an independent creator, including all the projects that we have uh, in the works ourselves. Thanks you. Except for always. that one. Except for that the one. The one that I will eventually uh, stop uh, cattle prodding Brian <laughs> under the table uh, so he stays in line and doesn't talk about. One day, the cattle prod All will go one. away and he will be able to run free through the, through the meadow. <laughs> you know who's running free through the meadows? Well, actually, the airport runways in South Florida. Uh, oh, it's got to be an animal. I'm sorry. Florida man. Monkeys! Yes! Monkeys! So, for a number of years where we grew up, there have been you know, sightings of monkeys near the airport, near this, uh, the city of Dania, and there was a lot of speculation about where do they come from. I once went on an expedition to go find them and found a giant submarine, which is a whole other story. <laughs> but uh, some researchers said, you know what? Let's, where did these monkeys come from? They uh, basically... Um, there's a whole like parking lot there where you can see these things from a time. And then finally, some researchers from Florida Atlantic University, University said they saw pushed it in the journal Primates, by the way, which uh, my goal is to be, you know, get the cover feature for primates. <laughs> and they said uh, Chlorobetes sibius monkeys have survived for decades in a novel environment, South Florida. 
We traced the monkeys to an escape from the Dania chimpanzee farm in 1948. Apparently, there was a chimpanzee farm there. What? And the facility imported primates. These are adorable. And what feature? Yeah. What feature would? What's one of the standout features about these monkeys that makes them discernible? A crescent moon on the right cheek. Uh I, I, I'm just guessing that drug dealers had them. That's 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 all I that's my answer is drug drug dealers. No, I mean uh, uh, I would say probably some uh, uh, facial uh, coloration it's e- maybe. It's, it's either noses or butts. It's always it's noses, always or, noses butts. or butts. It's uh, pink noses, blue butts, blue noses, red butts. Blue, but not a blue butt. Uh oh. Uh oh. Blue hands. Blue tails. Blue please, eyes. Old blue be, eyes. Please don't be a ding dong. Is it a ding dong? Blue nipples. Not, not the ding dong. Uh, blue, blue, blue the, test. Is it fellas? Yeah, the oh, <laughs> no! Blue balls. Good job, man. So it was drug dealers. Yeah. Oh, and somebody said Florida them, monkeys add facial. Them, add them to the proud, the proud list of Broward blue balls. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's great. So. Somebody said they're Florida monkeys, so it's facial tattoos. Actually, it's the neck tattoos. Yeah, exactly. The neck tattoos so so, so is, uh, uh, we're no closer to knowing how they made it here. I mean, I assume, I don't know, some of them can swim across Cuba. No, no, no. no. They were saying that there was a Dania monkey There's farm. There's a farm. Oh, that's right. That's right. So yeah, yeah. so yeah. at some point, probably right by the high lie. They were playing high lie. Yeah. They, the world's uh, fastest no, game. That, that, I'm sure that was like a lit thing to do in the 40s, is go down to the monkey farm during the day, and then at night, you know, traipse over to the high lie and uh, have yourself a time. It's a, the number of monkey farms and things like that are kind of surprising or because I remember where the production office was for uh, the TV show that was near the, uh, was it monkey Island? And I thought that was a joke and it turned out it was actually a place in California it was like this oh, yeah. big Island full of monkeys. And so what happened to the monk, the monkey entrepreneurs? Well, the also, 30s I mean, forties, you know, Dania in the forties, like I was joking about the highlight thing, but I don't even think the highlight was was, was built by then. Uh, uh, Dania in the '40s was basically rural land. You know, they, they, it, you know, South Florida really was only, you know, developed developed. At, at, you know, even that area through the you know '50s, '60s, and '70s. You know, it's just where are all the monkey entrepreneurs? Exactly. What is there? Like- I mean, they're probably uh, you know developing vaccines right now. <laughs> yeah. I just want to know like, that's where all the monkeys like a, went. <laughs> were there like venture capitalist firms in the '30s and '40s? And like, what I want to do is I want to get a bunch of monkeys. I mean, you already have my money, sir. There had to be some guy in New York that you know, whatever somebody was like, all right, I got an idea. It's going to be monkeys. Like, if it's monkey related, you gotta go see Mister Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, a version of the graduate he's like one word for your son monkeys <laughs> they're like the, the like paul graham has his startup like you know blogs and stuff there would be like the telegram about like monkeys are the future you know how about these rhesus monkeys you know i think there's a lot of opportunity there <laughs> yeah. buy rhesus Le- sell silverbacks they're too much Ooh. The advantage of a lemur, it only takes one lemur to fill up a large space. Think about that. <laughs> so, uh, congrats to China. I know we spent some time like, 
We'll get past the whole virus thing and now move on to the Chinese space program. You know, they landed there. Uh, they had a soft landing on Mars, which is extremely rare to do. And now they have the rover. They are the second country ever to deploy a rover on Mars. So they, and they're they getting are, are some they, photos back. Yeah, I, they, yeah they, they're actually spitting back pictures now. Yes, I, I, I did see a bit of chatter and, and I'm hoping that that it, that that uh, one of us can dispel it. But uh, on on the Reddits, there was a lot of chatter about how much was borrowed ideas from the U.S. program, which I mean, on the one hand, if you see something that works, why wouldn't you do what works? But also China has a reputation for not uh exactly respecting copyright law i i uh, uh, uh have you heard any of the the bugaboo about this and is uh, do you have anything to chime in on considering our entire redstone program was captured nazi v2 rockets yeah. you know um <laughs> it's it's not a like you go ah oh, i mean like the, a, a large smash cut to the three of us sinners tossing stones in our hands. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, sure. And but I think that like if it works, like I said, if it works, it works. And the the Chinese, a lot of the Chinese tech is actually variations. Of, it's interesting because like uh, like they have a Chinese space station. If you look at the shape, it looks kind of like a bottle where it's thick on one and gets narrower on the other end, which is the design they bought from the Russians, which was actually a Soviet design which was the first Soviet commercial space station, but was actually a military design. And that still has this weird shape. And we don't quite know, was this because of the military fairing they used? But anyhow, there's a lot of, lot of their stuff is Soviet, not even Russian, but like Soviet sort of hardware that made its way in there. Um, and yeah, do they, you know, use stuff that we've done perhaps, but there's, it is so much back and forth. I, I'm hesitant to go like, you know, like remember the, the Soviet, you know, the space shuttle, the Buran from the design was like very much absolutely looked like the space shuttle, but never took astronauts, but it had, it could fly itself completely. It could do autonomous flight, did one autonomous flight, flew up, came back and landed second liquid fueled uh, uh, side boosters where we were using solid. I think the liquid fueled were smarter, better, you know, innovation. And the Soviets had had really great innovation. They had Korolov who was a brilliant, brilliant rocket engineer who, you know, responsible for so much of what they did there. So, uh, I would say that uh, if you want to point a criticism, like, yeah, like, I don't know that they've innovated much beyond what was done before. And I don't know that they've they've plussed it up with anything else. Um, and I could be mistaken. And I think that I would love for them to be more open like we are, where we televise our launches, tell people what we're launching in advance. So, yeah. Uh, but no. more people on Mars is better, and uh, um, uh, you know, uh, congratulations to the Chinese Space Agency for uh, for, for getting something up there because that's that's hard to do, you know, not yeah. uh, a pretty short list. Yeah. Uh, one more kind of cool thing. Did you see Google I/O had their announcement last week? They showed a lot of cool stuff off. Did you see uh, Google had some pretty cool announcements there? Different stuff. A lot of a lot of AI stuff. They're building a whole quantum AI lab in Santa Barbara, which is looks pretty cool project starline yeah so look at google project starline i want to get your take on this okay and the idea is that uh it's a telepresence project that's been in work this is pre you know been worked for several years now and then when you see the videos of this what they're doing is ostensibly two people are talking and they're using 
mapping, like they're using a, a 4K display with like a lenticular screen. They're using 3D projection. I mean, they're using like 3D modeling and all this. So oh. notice as the camera moves, they say it feels like you're talking, the person is like really there. So, so this is using a lot of just smart stuff that, uh, by, by the way, that our eye processes the difference between a flat picture and a real person. Uh, and so you take things like you've seen on Facebook with those 3D photos where it kind of like moves a little bit as you are uh, uh, scrolling up and down. Right, as you're moving your phone, so similarly, uh, it would take advantage of the parallax. So like as you shift left and right, yeah. Uh, you, I, I assume you wouldn't get the stereoscopic vision, but, but, but you, I would you, imagine you, you, you do, you what? do. That's, that's a lenticular display. So oh, remember, wow. lenticular display that goes over it, so you get a three D effect. So the idea is you, you see I'm surprised stereoscopic they're not just doing eye tracking. Well, they might be doing a lot of things. Just yeah. notice, oh, yeah. like, there's a lot of tech there. Oh yeah, they're kind of in a big booth, huh? Yeah, yeah. So, and, yeah. and my my friend Bram Adams says, "Oh, Google recreated prison." I mean, I mean it, it does it does uh, that that did not go unnoticed uh, but yes and 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 uh, you are able to to have I think uh, a a richer conversation which as much as the pandemic has allowed us to understand that business can get done via zoom uh, and and via telepresence I think we can all agree it is not the same as being in person connecting with your family over facetime and and skype and zoom is not the same as being in the same room as as people and uh, uh this brings you a little bit closer it, it, it makes mm -hmm. your brain think a little bit more like even watching the uh uh watching the, the video and and obviously this is a demo so uh, uh and, and lord knows how much that room was set up and, and loaded to the gills with whatever tech they had to put in there. But it's a cool idea. I mean, I don't know, Andrew, like, where does this, there, there's always the, the, the difference between what, what used to be the kind of Microsoft and Apple philosophies where Microsoft would very often show these cool concepty sort of uh, uh, things. And, and Apple, you know, Steve Jobs was famous for saying, you know, concept cars are awful because it just, makes you warps your your idea of what the actual car that we can produce is going to look like uh where do you think this falls on on the line of like tech that is really cool versus this is a concept that we might not ever see applied in our daily lives sometimes in things like this you see researchers pursue one way of trying to accomplish a thing and they spend several years perfecting it but meanwhile you get a more efficient way to do it and this as you saw like in the demo they show the 3d model it makes of the person theoretically because it maps it onto there there's a lot going on there but like we're getting really really good algorithms now for uh simulating like taking 2d images having a having an ai extract a 3d image from it and so there might be when you computationally when things get faster there might be a simpler way to do it and you look at the amount of data that you have in your iphone now you've got we got lidar on our phones we have lidar and i and so the, there's the one is the capture method 
choose the display, like, you know, Brian, I think you mentioned, like with just eye tracking alone, you can do a lot to create the sort of the illusion of something. And then with the lenticular display, like I looked at all the tech here. I'm like, I don't, I'm like, I'm going, I don't know if it's really that hard to replicate this. Um, somebody says, meanwhile, Apple, Apple will copy it. I guarantee if you go look at Apple patents, you're going to see stuff like this already there. Like Apple put LiDAR into phones. They put LiDAR into yeah. phones because clearly they're thinking about, like I've showed the demo before. Remember the thing I showed you when you do the using the face scanner and how I could turn my face to the side. Yeah. Because it's capturing that data there. So that's already in there. That's already in their products is a lot of the rudimentary ability to do stuff like this. The the one thing that I'm surprised that they didn't feature, which I feel like is going to be the killer aspect of this, is group meetings. Uh, uh, the, uh, the Chinese team meets together with the Australian team. And then, you know, there's four of them over here, four of them over here. And that's that I suspect that's a temporary technical limit limitation. Whereas like the intimacy, they're presenting this as an intimacy based thing, but I have to feel like that's going to be the realm of, 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 um, uh, yeah, you know, VR goggles that represent your face and, and, and some kind of robot fingers that rub your back for somebody who, well, you, who you have an affection for. Well, on that note, uh, uh snap released last week, uh, their new version of the spectacles, which they're testing which naturally now have little augmented reality displays in there. And what I thought was cool, what they did was they were very open about it. When you go click through for the demo, you see it's only a little postage size stamp display in the middle of the glasses, um, which is the big hurdle, going to be the big hurdle. But yeah, we we know the direction we're going to. Yeah, click on learn more and you'll see uh, that we know the direction that we're moving into with this stuff. And we can. I don't think we have any trouble figuring out like an broadly what things will be like in 10 years yeah so we're looking at the uh, it's just a matter of uh you know all these things sort of uh coming together mm -hmm. uh and 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 you know the, the the tech catching up to the ideas but i think we're, we're we're at a we're at a very exciting inflection point because a lot of things that i think we really wanted to do really like even like 10 years ago uh is are are now computationally i think a little bit more feasible uh, uh to make it like an actual thing that we interact with including stuff like like oculus you know like yeah. that's that's something that we've we desperately wanted a, a just strap it on and rock and roll vr solution and now it exists yeah that was like when uh, the you know we're excited like when hololens was first announced like when google glass first came out it looked like ar and like oh and then they're like no it's a little thing in the corner like it's dumb and then hololens like finally we have this well it's a little postage stamp in the middle of the display yeah. like we we know what we want and the technology takes a while to get there it's not like you know you just yell at somebody your engineers like bigger more now like yeah. oh you wanted a full display fov oh okay i had that on the shelf here i didn't realize you wanted that <laughs> I kind of like what they so. show in, in, I mean, this is not even a demo video. This is a, a scroll on their website, but I do kind of like the idea that you might have AR stuff in part of your glasses, but like this photo is still wide angle and, but, but you have a little thing where you've taken the photo and now you've got contextual menus and stuff. Like I, I think, I think that's a smart starting place, um, uh, which you which seems more like adjusting to reality than the Google Lens initial yeah. demo video. Did. Have you played with the Clips app in the new iPhone? Not the new version, no. Oh, so it's sick, okay? Because what this does, let me pull this up here, is so Clips is Apple's sort of like 
you have uh you have this i can go in here and i can click on i can do a thing that says start scan mm -hmm. um if i start scan okay and i start to move i'm going to show this in a second i'm going to move my phone around so he's kind of he's kind of scanning his room kind of like yeah when, like, when you open the, the compass and you gotta okay so he's 3d scanned it wow okay it's scanning my room and you see it's all of a sudden it's created 3d points entirely wow. around the room and and so now it notice it occludes me because it figures out that's a person that's what's sort of amazing so if i do effects mm-hmm so Look what happens to everything else. So now it looks like Andrew's room is pulsing with disco light, except for him, because it even recognizes that he's there. And it knows the it, geometry of his room. Oh, that's great. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, even, the it, lights it even, are tracing along the Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tracing along the floor, but it's even also showing up a little bit on your on your shoulder as if it would it would uh, react to you. That's fascinating. That's cool. Yeah, because if you think of what's going on there, we're watching like we're watching these lasers go along the walls and surfaces there. Um, there's a uh, the disco one. Look at the floor. That's a, on the top. Yeah. Oh yeah. wow! And it's just on the floor, and it looks good too. Wow. Yeah. So that's you know that was just their little demo they put there. So this are it mapped my room. Like we did this while we're talking. I yeah. mapped my office right here. And all of a sudden, it started projecting these lights and stuff on there. The occlusion for there is not perfect, but it's pretty damn good. So you're able to do lots in front of it. So that that's the really tricky part. Remember, like, you know, when Magic Leap had their demo, we years ago, like, oh, I looked at an elephant in my hand. And I'm like, yeah, it's projecting it in front of it. That's easy. Show me the elephant walking behind your fingers, and that's impressive. Yeah. So, uh, but that's the, that the occlusion technology, the ability to say, this is a person in the foreground and no green screen or anything. Incredible. Gentlemen. Yes. Ready for picks? Oh yeah. Yo, what I you got? Pick. I got a pick. Uh, so dark side of the ring. It is a, uh, a series on vice that, uh, goes into stories about professional wrestling. Uh, if you are not a professional wrestling fan, I do think this is something that you can enjoy because it is mostly faced, you know, talking about the human uh, parts of these stories. But in their third season, they told my favorite wrestling story of all time, and that is the story of Collision in Korea. I'm going to lay it out because this is a cinematically amazing story. A bunch of wrestlers from America and Japan in the 90s. So imagine everything of like every bit of the the gold gym cut off t-shirts and Zubaz pants, mullets, a uh, uh, level of, uh, uh, of, of, of professional wrestling. They go on a diplomatic mission of peace to North Korea, to Pyongyang, North Korea. They do two nights at a festival to mark the birthday of Kim Il-sung, the, the dearly departed dear leader. And uh, it is as much of a culture clash as you could possibly imagine. Basically think of the hangover meets Argo, where all these guys who are just kind of used to going, wrestling, working out, and cheating on their wives, wind up in Pyongyang, have all of their passports taken. They have no idea how to interact with anybody. They're being watched constantly. 
uh, uh, two of them wind up getting into a fight and almost uh, uh, killing each other. It's uh, a great story, and it is covered in Dark Side of the Ring, which uh, uh, is now airing on Vice uh, season three. But you can go in. I watched it on on iTunes. But Collision in Korea, an amazing, an amazing story. Also, Muhammad Ali is there. <laughs> of course, he is. Yeah. Uh, so I, uh, I got one. Um, we, we've talked about a friend of the show, uh, Captain Disillusion, who normally, uh, invests his special effects expertise to, uh, debunking fake videos, but, um, he's branching out and sort of giving a character to him outside of his Captain Disillusion makeup. So what he does is he puts intern Allen, AKA himself without the captain dissolution makeup in charge of, you know, doing an episode. He's like, I don't know what to talk about. He's like, uh, you know, Hey, just uh, have a flight of fancy. I'm sure you'll navigate some way to something to talk about. And he goes fly navigate and then proceeds to do 45 amazing minutes, defunct land style, breaking down all of the VFX genius that went into uh, uh, flight of the navigator. Oh, wow. And, and, and at one point he talks about like, uh, okay, this effect, this fact, that effect. Uh, and it was all CG, right? Nope. Only 15 seconds of this was CG. Everything else was practical. And we know it because here are the pieces of it. Like dude has been collecting all of this stuff. Oh, wow. It is, it is, it is an awesome departure from what you would expect from the captain disillusion channel. And it's so filled with genuine passion and enthusiasm. Uh, highly recommended. It. It's almost a 40 minute watch. I think you'll like it a lot. You're the second person to bring this up. Um, I just watched Flight of Navigator like a few weeks ago and then watched, dug into behind the scenes stuff of all that because partially it's nostalgic because I was around that age growing up in South Florida at that time. And I look at that like, oh, I know that bridge. It's a little solace bridge. And you kind of like, you look at all those locations, but like, yeah, there's cool stuff. You're like, you look at the steps illusion right there where he walks up these floating steps and it's just, it's basically like a magic trick the way they did that. So many clever things were done in that movie. Uh, it's um, really, really good. And and it's it's one thing you can't fake in these kind of think pieces is the genuine passion. And and Alan really has it. It's it's really adorable and sweet. Uh, I, I highly recommend it. Yes. And uh, notable. Do you remember the movie? Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 including who played the uh, the puppet Max, uh, one Paul Rubens. Yeah, and it was a first big uh, role for one Sarah Jessica Parker. That's right. That's right. As a matter of fact, he actually wraps up the 40-minute uh, piece with talking about how, like, uh, well, it seems like you got this thread that was left undone. And, you know, if anybody, you know, wanted somebody who deeply loved all of this stuff and knew all the back lore and maybe had thought of an entire story, they could go back and Sarah Jessica Parker could reprise her role as an old mm -hmm. woman. And then it could be about this other person who goes to the future and mm -hmm. has a similar experience. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's great. Well, uh, let me switch cameras here. Uh, oh, uh -oh. Bryce, do you have a pick? Uh, yeah, I do. I'm yeah, uh, I'll, do, I'll do that while you're getting your, your camera situated, it looks like. Uh, I've got a, a quick pick. This is uh, a relatively new to, to uh, Netflix. It's an original feature film called Stowaway. Uh, we featured this as an opening to Cord Killers, uh, uh, I don't know, a month or so ago. But basically a, a three-man mission to Mars, uh, uh, about 12 hours in. It turns out they find out that... The he got a fourth person on the ship. Uh, a, a launch engineer has a concussion and gets stuck in the ship uh, after it after it launches on its way to Mars. And 
uh, uh oh, some stuff is broken, and now they have to manage resources and figure out: Are they going to Mars? Are they going back home? Uh, it's it's pretty dramatic. It's kind of uh, um, a conceptual, right? I think it's very strong on its concept. What happens if you have too many people and not enough oxygen? Um, and Got uh, Daniel Day Kim, Daniel Day it? Kim, uh, Tony Collette, Anna Kendrick, and Shamier Anderson. Uh, it's, it's, it's two hours. It's a little, it's a little long. Um, but what Netflix thing is in, uh, but I think it's pretty good. And, and I think it does a good job of trying to be kind of a small conceptual piece, uh, without, uh, uh, I don't know, without going too big or too hokey on it. I hope this isn't a backhanded compliment, but it was so much better than I dared hope. Like I went into it like, Oh, Oh, you saw it. Like, Oh yeah. Yeah. I went into it thinking like, I like the Martian. I'll watch another Netflix budget version of the Mar- Martian. And mm-hmm. then by the end, I was just like, uh, I, I was really moved. I, I yeah. really like, um, it's, it's, you know, it's, uh, everything takes place on the ship. Uh, you got, uh, so, so it's a bit like moon in that regard. Yeah. Uh, you get some voices off the ship, but that's about it. Everything else is people dealing with like, wow, scarce resources. Only the four of us. What do we do? How is this going to play out? And, uh, and I think it does a good job of I, I think coming so. up with an answer. On yeah, that. yeah, I, yeah. A, a believable one that, that that I felt. I really felt. I liked it. Yeah. Uh, so that's still uh, uh Scott Manley, who is one of my favorite YouTubers when it comes to all things space, he was a consultant on that. That's right. Oh, that's awesome. And he'll, he'll he'll tell you what he what he what he thought was they got right, and then like and then Hollywood does the other thing. But, there, uh, there, there was uh, uh, I rather enjoyed one big fake out where they're all like, "There's a thing that is very dangerous, and you must avoid the thing because if the thing oh, happens, yes. that's very bad." And then it never. And so it's ever like, happened. okay, well then that's definitely going to happen. Right. And then twice they just go past the thing and it's not a problem. It's not a thing at all. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's one of those things where you make, where you wonder, was this supposed to be two and a half hours? Like, yeah. God, I hope they, because it is, it is a little long. It is a little long, but I think it's pretty good. Yeah. But it's also very yeah. human. I, I, I didn't mind them taking their time. Andrew? Uh, I, I don't have a pick, but I have more of a, hey, this looks cool and I'm excited to see more of this. Have you seen Demio for the Oculus Quest? Go on. No. D-E-M-E-O. Take a look at this. Imagine a fantasy game where you go around dungeons shooting orcs or whatever monsters and you have spells and all this sort of stuff, right? Go on. But sure. imagine it's done like D&D where you have the option to play with your friends and sit down and look at the table in virtual reality and go watch your characters on. move through there or switch modes. So if you see some video of that price, you can see the this it looks like a such this is the kind of thing i've been thinking that will be really cool when we get this sort of stuff because vr some of the best vr experiences aren't where you're walking around and doing stuff sometimes they're stationary yeah and so you see you've got turn but car i know you guys don't like card based games oh what are you doing to me so it kind of looks like um yeah a tabletop game almost XCOMy because you also have the card element to it Mm-hmm. Wow! Oh, it looks yeah, good too. But you can you can descend into the board if you'd like. Yes, and That's these are uh, so in this trailer they're showing multiple people with Oculus um, quests in the Sitting same room. The table. Yeah, working around the same virtual table. Is that how this works, Andrew? Yes. You, uh, you or, 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 or does it? Wow. Or, or can they? Or are they in different places? And yeah, it just no, feels I, as I, though I, we're yeah, in the same. No, room. no, it feels as if we're all. In, you you can be in different places. Yeah, you could do either. Oh yeah. wow! 
What have you done to yeah. me? Andrew yeah. Maine. What, what, have, what have you done to my friendship? What, <laughs> what have you done to my friendship to Justin Robert Young? <laughs> I mean, it looks pretty awesome. It I does. Love, I love, all right, so wait, is it available now? Yes. Are we getting it? And, We're all getting and it. Right? Yeah, we could get it. And they're going to also make options for it to work on desktop and other things so you don't have to use VR to play with it so you can play with people in different environments. Oh, but awesome. I, I love the thinking on this. Just love, love, love the thinking because I think I, it's great. Yeah. I, I love I, I have I have long wanted my number one thing that I've wanted is a co-op turn-based uh uh RPG to basically like either by myself or with friends uh experience a a kind of like turn-based combat fantasy thing instead of everything just being kind of like point and shoot uh so I think this is great and there's a single <laughs> player good. there's a single player mode Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. We're going to get this. Cool. This is going to happen. Well, I hope yeah. you enjoyed the very last episode ever of Weird Things. Brian is shaking. <laughs> he's literally like, he looks like he's about to pop out of his seat. <laughs> I I think, I think, th I think we're, we've, we may have found this may be the end around for the Beat Saber dead end. Because um, that, like all new VR games tended to feel like either trying to do shooters based on other stuff yeah the really new cool stuff just is there's rare but like the idea of like hey then that category of turn-based vr oh. i mean because you can and you can start doing cool things where you could sit there and you could you could you could build stacked dungeons and stacked environments and stuff and move well, your and characters that's, and around. that's the thing is that like i just i was very frustrated with where fantasy stuff in vr was going because you know it's resource intensive. You know that the budgets weren't what they needed to be to build the most immersive triple A. We're, 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 we're not about to have Skyrim in VR. I, eventually, yeah. maybe, but yeah. like, I right think we already have Skyrim. Oh, yeah, not on the Oculus, though. The, 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 yeah. the install base okay. wasn't there. But it's like when you look at Final Fantasy 2, it's not a gigantic amount of maps. You're fighting the same guys over and over and over again. And guess what? You loved it. Let's go out there and grind for XP. Like, just give me something that feels cool and turn-based, and 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 so I'm I'm slowly leveling up my character. Oh, this is such a great idea. Yeah. So there you go. Nice. It's been weird. The Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program.